Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. Well, hello, everybody. Hi. We are here. Look at my new cup. If you're watching, if you're listening, you can't. It's got a dainty English teacup that I found in Renewed Treasures, the store down the road. Uh, if you are looking for a, a resale store, you should drop in and see them. It is made in England. They had some very questionable California China in there. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if you can buy China from California, but this is like... So tell, tell our listeners what your mom's theory is about. Uh, my, so my mom's theory is this. Uh, that that tea tastes better out of bone china mugs or, or South Fellowship Church. Oh. <laughs> She's never no. said that, but no? it might okay. be true. Um, <laughs> well, welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea podcast <sighs> slash YouTube show where we talk about things. And yeah, stuff. and we talk about things that like tea. This is our gray in this delightful china mug, and it's just not big enough. Is the truth? I have a little saying. I think it's on my staff profile. You can't find a cup of tea big enough or a book long enough to, to please me. Yeah. Um, Which is, is that a quote from someone else? C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Stolen from C.S. Lewis. Perfect. Uh, and yeah, I think you're like, is that one of those moments where you're like, you know, uh, Alex Walton's C.S. Lewis. Definitely like Kinda that. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Scott. Yeah, yeah. You Michael miss Scott. 100% of every shot you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's show, we are going to be, well, I can ask, we're going to ask a couple questions that first that have you ever had that struggle or have you struggled with disbelief uh -huh. in this whole Christianity thing? So if that's you out there and you're, and you've, and you're like, yeah, that's been me. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but maybe even more interestingly, have you ever had your doubts about someone else? Oh, There's no yeah. way that person that's... is ever going to believe in this Christianity uh -huh. thing. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of these obscure characters like this last week. By the way, Dan is not here today because he's uh, getting over uh, some sickness stuff. And so he can join us on the show. But he was the one who actually preached the message. He was. We, yeah. I, I and was... if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I encourage you to go do that. He talked about James, the brother of Jesus, who is like this really obscure character that's also not obscure. Yeah. In a weird way. We, yeah, which he becomes we... super significant. But in the at least in the Gospels, he's just this bit part character. Um, but Dan painted a pretty robust picture of James from like these one word here, two words there, three words over here. Like, there's the passage here, passage here, passage there. And by the time you're done, you're like, I kind of know James. Yeah. Wow. He's, yeah. Fascinating. Anyway, and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about resurrection and yes. I love that. it. So that, there's a passage we can start with, right? I think um, in my falling apart Bible. If you uh, find a Bible that's falling apart, there's a Christian that isn't, uh, I've been told. But, uh, Ooh, there you uh, go. Puntacular. Uh, so <laughs> in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, there's this passage that Dan dug out, and he did just dot all over the place, which was so fun. 
uh, and his creativity this week. He was very excited about it. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, it says, For I received, for what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are all still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, almost like just, who's James? Then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. That's like one of those passages that you like, there's so much in that. There's like seven sermons in that passage. Totally. Uh, where do you even go with that? And James just gets this little spot entry into, yeah, that was, he appeared to James. Um, and, and we get to go back and work out, well, which James are you talking about? Indeed. And so Dan did that process of like a little verse here, a little verse there. We knew James had part. Yeah. Like well, it said, it said earlier, Paul had said he appeared to all of the disciples. There's two Jameses in that group. Yep. Um, so it's obviously another James. And then he went to a passage where he talks about Jesus brothers as James and as Judas. And he's like, oh, okay, so there's a James there. And then again, it just builds and builds. And then we have this whole book, James in the New Testament that talks about uh, as a brother of Jesus and a servant of Jesus. So let me ask you this. You have a brother. I do too. What would, would it I take? <laughs> Lord. What would it take for your brothers to be convinced that you were the savior <laughs> of the world? <laughs> yeah. The God uh the god incarnate uh I, what would it take I, I, that's a great question isn't it where <laughs> dan, dan threw out this little comment on um on sunday he said what would it look like to have a perfect brother uh, and i nearly said i'm gonna text my brothers and ask them what it feels oh. like i was like oh all right oh gosh if we could get alex's brothers to chime in on what it would take Wouldn't yeah, that be, yeah. I, would love, I love i just love to know i'm going back to england soon i'll ask him i'm like what what would it take for you to, i need to your brother's soon? phone numbers so i can text them you can this have them show and yeah. then uh, <laughs> see what what would it take for alex's brothers all right but the, the catch-22 for that is for me is that i also have a brother you do yeah and, and uh it would take a lot yeah i have a feeling it would take a lot yeah I so, think so so james is the literally the brother of jesus uh-huh and you know, it's it's kind of no wonder he had a little bit of difficulty so believing. It, it speaks to like to to the humanness of Jesus, and this is a tension we've talked about probably on this show, talked about at South regularly. Um, lots of churches push quite heavily into Jesus as so divine he almost becomes unhuman, uh, and then other churches push into Jesus as being so human he's almost no longer God in human flesh, and those are the classic christian tenants so so i think there is like this this reminder in that of well no jesus had this interaction with james as siblings not necessarily because he did anything wrong we're not talking about sin or, or something like that but we're talking about just by nature of being a brother you're kind of irritating even if you've not done anything to be particularly intentionally irritating it's like no i was with that guy all the time like he beat me in a race that time it was really annoying he did this that time it was really annoying he ended up falling in My love with a girl compared i was me to him constantly yeah <laughs> carol in in our daily devotion meeting planning the writings that are coming out this week or are have been coming out this week she she'd like dropped in this like mother jewish voice it cracked me up so much if you get a chance you should have carolyn do her her um mary impersonation um, if you know carolyn schmidt and she's like i wish you i wish you'd do like your brother jesus you know and like i don't know why she i was like 
That was probably what it was like. You sounded a bit more Monty Python like yeah, exactly. that. She's a witch. <laughs> I, I don't have a, a Jewish mother accent at all. No, Carolyn could pull it off nicely. But that, yeah, that, that, that constant, <laughs> yeah. Why can't you be, a, you know, why can't you be like him? Um, yeah. so, so somewhere that tension is arisen. That There is both tension of brotherhood and then there is also a belief. No, no, why would I believe the kid that I saw walking around Nazareth was God in human flesh? There was a humility to Jesus living on earth that didn't suggest that as obvious to James. Uh, it wasn't that Jesus was just randomly healing other kids as they broke legs, falling down ravines and stuff. There wasn't just that. No, of course it's, it's that. It's like, no, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, mm. Whether it's brotherly resentment or just the, the humanness. Um, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and the absence of James around the cross. Like there's no mention there. Is there some sense of no? He's getting what he deserved, or no? This was inevitably where it was going to end up, uh, because there's quite a lot of interactions Dan pulled out where the brothers would say something like, you know, when you go and show everyone your miracles, when you go to the big festival, and and that's where everyone's going to hear your wonderful teaching, uh, very much dripping in sarcasm. Totally. Uh, in a very and, Jewish way. Yeah, and Dan made a pretty good case from that same passage because what they say, because they were even struggling to believe. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they're they're kind of laying it on thick. Yeah. Come on, Jesus, you big Yeah, yeah, man. come on, you're gonna go to all these if you wonderful things. You think you're so things. awesome. Well, you, why don't you yeah. Yeah. Um so, so super th somewhere there's that absence. And, and and so James is in a different place to the other characters that we've looked at because we've we've spent five weeks looking at characters that are very much all in on the Jesus story yes and have now been thrown into this place of tension and need to be drawn back into the story in different ways whether it's you know Mary Magdalene with this John's language of it's dark now um, it's dark again because Jesus is absent there's Cleopas with I'm gonna go off to Emmaus this small town where nothing happens I'm gonna escape this story there's Thomas with his, no, I'm never going to believe again. And there's Peter with going back to go fishing and all these different things. And, mm -hmm. and, and now there's, um, now there's James who was never in on the story. Um, and yet Jesus has something for him. So, so, so we kind of joke about what would it take for our brothers to believe that we were the savior. And we kind of have a story of what it took for James. Yeah. It took resurrection. It took resurrection. <laughs> Okay, so Fair you enough. have you you have Fair to enough. die, yeah. and and then you have to come so back to life. Get on that, Alex, <laughs> <laughs> and so will I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I just not, I'm unsure of the mechanism for making it happen. <laughs> um, um, but that is that does seem to be, even though we kind of joke about that, resurrection for the entire New Testament seems to be the one miracle that they're like, yeah, like let's let's just be honest and upfront about this. There's a lot of things about Christianity that are hard to believe. Mm. And if you put yourself into James's shoes, like, I don't blame the guy. Yeah. You know, because even if Jesus is perfect, he isn't. He has his own baggage. Yeah, yeah. His, his parents aren't. Um, Like, so there's still family dynamics, even if Jesus isn't making those dynamics worse because of who he is. Yeah. That's there's great still family dan dynamics that are, like, a little bit confusing and all that stuff. And... Yeah, it'd be really hard to believe that your sibling is the savior of the world. 
Um, you've heard these stories. Like there, there's something. He leaves the family business. Mm-hmm. He's just like, yeah, which is a counterintuitive to the culture. There's just all this baggage, mm. and I'm sure James has all this emotional baggage when it comes to his brother. And then he meets him resurrected. Yeah, that's and, and resurrection is interesting because there are other faiths that have stories of resurrection. What, ha, what where Christianity has a unique flavor on resurrection is resurrection present in the now story it's not background story it's not ancient myth it's not somewhere oh there was this thing it's like in the current narrative oh no this is happening now and paul's super conscious of that yeah draw that out five he appeared to 500 people yeah this isn't like no no there's this story that someone wrote down and you know i was on a mountain somewhere and i saw this resurrected kind of ghost kind of thing now this is like there's 500 of us in the room we all saw this um he doesn't really have any questions about it anymore it's that distinct these are people that have to be witnesses have to be reliable witnesses and they have seen this thing and that 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 sort of claim is 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 pretty unique. Now, there's other things that are unique about the Jesus faith. Uh, one of those is grace, um, because there's very there's almost no other faith that says forgiveness has no cost to you. It's it's done. It's it's given just because of the work that God has done. Um, that in itself is a pretty unique story. But but Paul is concretely tied all through his writings, all through his New Testament writings, is tied to. Um, physical life, God living in the world amongst us, mm-hmm. actual death, and then an actual resurrection of the body. Um, mm-hmm. And so when when we're told, no, James saw Jesus risen, yes, that must have been a surprise to him. In it, Maybe even in a way, it wasn't a surprise to the others. Because for the others, at least, there's some sense of, oh, yeah, he did talk about that a lot. We missed the point, but and- now it's all making sense. Yeah, and they're there seeing the miracles more firsthand. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you know, James may have heard about it. Maybe he saw some of the other miracles. But like, yeah, at some point, he's like standing face to face with the kid he grew up with. Yeah. And, and, and who died. Yes. And now he's back. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man. Yeah, because that doesn't happen every day. Um, well, which, so the reality of James's life and ministry post-resurrection is one of the big proofs of resurrection. Yes. Which is kind of what we're joking about. What would it take? It would take resurrection, which is like, so James like gave his life, which Dan talked about. James was martyred Mm. because he believed this. Because he believed his brother. He believed his brother was the savior of the world. It's like, it's beyond, it's beyond just like a family connection. It's, and this, this is the interesting narrative with the Christian faith. What is the best proof? of Jesus' resurrection, well, it's the change in the disciples. It's they go from people hiding in rooms, fleeing stories, to people that are like, kill us if you like, we're going to keep telling this story. Um, yeah. And that that in itself is a is a naturally, is a is very unhuman trait. Yeah. Usually if you're making something up, at some point you say, no, I'm giving up on this under pressure. And, and he tapped, Dan tapped into that with his Chuck Colson story. Yeah. who was involved in the Watergate scandal. And there's this moment where he says, look, seven adults that were absolutely convinced we were going to hold together this lie couldn't stand up for two weeks. <laughs> it just collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fell back to the actual truth. And and for these disciples, no, they don't. They just, they, they hold this tr- this line. And, and that suggests that there's this truth at the core of it. 
now now it's interesting we've talked about james and his approach to jesus i'm always interested in uh, i'm interested to hear what you think is there a difference between the word unbelief and disbelief dan even questioned if disbelief was even a word he said i wondered if i'd made this up um well i hadn't thought about it until you and i talked in the hallway a little bit ago that heavily but yeah i liked I'll let you actually answer, yeah, my, even though you just asked okay, me. Okay, yeah, yeah. My, I'm going to let you answer yeah, okay, because yeah. I think you had some good points. So, so my suspicion is this, that, that unbelief is a posture that isn't so much about choice as about questions. So so when I say unbelief, it's 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 got that ambivalence maybe. It's, I'd kind of like to believe. I'm not sure. There's a passage where Jesus encounters a man whose son is very sick, uh, and, and the guy kind of says, can you do this? Can you heal my kid? And Jesus is like, what do you mean, can I? Anything's possible to someone who believes. And the guy's response is, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. It's like, th- there's definitely a tension there, definitely a struggle. I'd love it if you'd help me because I'd really love to land on the side of belief. Yeah. And the natural questions in my mind, the tuggings on my heart just make that very difficult to me. That doesn't seem to be disbelief. Uh, and it doesn't seem to be James. Totally. So disbelief is, if it's a helpful distinction, I would say has more of that sense of, nope, not going to believe that. No way. Don't want to go there. Not interested. Almost even if it's true, don't really want to know. It's a, it's a sort of distinct posture in my mind. Now, now I don't know that that would, that would hand, I don't know that would stand up to, to lexicon work, to dictionary and stuff. I don't know that that's the case, but But it feels like it does seem like there's like sort of a nuanced feel about those. two. Yeah. It feels like it stands up to what James is experiencing. He's been like, no, no, no way, no way, no way. Um, and and that maybe frees up us, us up a little bit because we have moments, even when we're following Jesus of like, wow, what do I believe? Um, I didn't see Jesus risen. Did they see what they thought they saw? What does that mean? We, we have reasons to believe, uh, and then we have questionings that we might characterize as doubts or unbelief. We, we find ourselves, I think a lot, lots of people I talk to find themselves in the place of that guy with the sun. I do believe, God, I wish you'd help my unbelief. And, yeah. and then maybe some of us would say, no, we're, we're in the other place of like, no, no, I'm just, I've just decided for all sorts of reasons I'm out on this thing. Um, yeah. And I think, um, like whether, and what we talked about in the beginning is like, if you, if you're struggling, if you've struggled with disbelief, that's probably one of the most normal parts of being a follower of Jesus. Like, I think a lot of people struggles, struggle with some disbelief uh-huh. along the way. And I think it's actually a reoccurring struggle. Yeah. Because if you think about, I don't know what the metaphor would be helpful, but your Christianity, your walk with Jesus, however you phrase this, your journey of faith is that. It's mm. a journey with new challenges, new struggles along the way. Because um, it may, well, one piece of information I think is helpful for people to understand is that you don't just enter the journey of faith and have every single one of your questions no. answered. Usually there's a tipping point for you and you're like, well, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. But I had this encounter with, with God in a, in a gathering and a teaching or in a, 
the life of someone who was really significant to me. And that's enough for me to at least take my first mm -hmm. baby step. And then there's some trust and building some momentum. And then you run into another, oh wait, you're asking me to give up this in my life in order to walk yes. in your way. I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. And then you trust to test the waters. And if you're on a journey, if it's anything like what I've felt like, um, there's moments of doubt and disbelief that the way of God is the best way mm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and some people, I mean, there's, there's pieces of language like the critical journey, the Christ journey, different things that just kind of unpack some of that. One of the ones I really love is is like the cycle movement of we we jump into faith and we find ourselves in a time of simplicity. Mm -hmm. Every, everything's easy. Just everything suddenly fits. And then we go into like, so excited, into, into yeah. yeah, into complexity where there's some more questions. We're wrestling with some of the bigger areas. We start to read a lot more. We have great conversations. People push up against other. Then there's perplexity. There's moments where it, it seems like the thing is falling apart. Maybe we get into a relationship struggle in the midst of that. Um, maybe we start having some serious doubts. People make us question all of those different things. Uh, and then that cycle comes back around to harmony, which brings us to simplicity again. But again, the cycle thing, it keeps moving, it keeps changing. And, and so we find ourselves in those different seasons, sometimes in one day. Um, yeah. And that, that's good growth, even when we don't mm -hmm. realize it's happening. So uh, a couple of things that I think Dan addressed that we could talk about briefly is, um, one is this idea that what if I've disbelieved is that a thing <laughs> what if what if i've been on the wrong side of this for so long that i've i've disqualified myself mm. or what if my doubt about this piece and this piece and this piece is enough that like i don't even want to start the journey because i just have these doubts um yeah like if if that's you or i don't want to go deeper because i have these fears or doubts or mm. questions or whatever it may be you know for james he had all those doubts and yet the end game is like he's the leader of the jerusalem church yeah and then um so we could talk about that if it's their personal thing but then maybe another question would be what if we're doubting on behalf of someone else well that that that's intriguing right isn't it we we write ourselves off at times oh i am never going to get this figured out and and james is almost the the anti-story to that. It's like, no, no, this is a guy who did all of those things, had all of those statements, had all of the intellectual arguments against, and and still something nudges him into faith. Mm -hmm. In this case, a resurrection appearance. Um, but but there is, then there's our ability to do that for other people. We have family members, maybe we have friends, we've talked to about faith, and we're like, no way, if this person believes, that's, that's, that's never gonna happen. Um, and that almost is, is our own disbelief struggle. Uh, that's us, yeah, as you say, it's almost us making that assumption for them. We're writing them off. We're giving up on them. And, and most of us probably that have followed Jesus for a while have friends, family that we're... Totally. If we saw them walk into church, we'd be like, wait, what are you doing here? <laughs> that's right. So ironically, you're like, if we do that, we're disbelieving that they'll ever believe. Yeah, so yeah, we're yeah, disbelieving yeah. on their behalf. Yeah. Like there's not a chance that person's gonna gonna be in, you know. Yeah. 
and, and, and Christianity is at times almost obnoxiously, depending on where you are in a different moment, almost obnoxiously hopeful about people. Um, the, the, there is the, there is there in Jesus mind, the father that sits outside the house, constantly perusing the road, waiting for a lost son to come home. There's a woman who's constantly searching for a coin on the floor that doesn't give up on it. There's, there's a shepherd that leaves 99 sheep sitting vulnerable to attack and goes off looking for one that is lost. There is a, there's a, there's an almost an over the top hopefulness to it that yeah. believes anyone is susceptible to the story. Um, so like, who's that for you? Like, yeah, is, that, is there that's someone a... like that? And you're, and you're like, I like, and let's just vet out like the thinking process there just to sort of shine light. Cause I, and then I can maybe share some of my own disbeliefs. I'll name some names. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, here's our thought process. I'm a person who, who calls myself a Christian, which means I believe in the resurrection mm -hmm. of a physical body. Yeah. And that there's a God who created the whole universe, but there's no way that that God who creates resurrection and everything ever could possibly reach. So yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the we, if we say it that way, we were like, Oh, yeah. wait a minute. That person's been able to construct a wall that God could never knock down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, other than the fact that he, knocked down the the wall of death uh yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but but that isn't <laughs> that the sin. challenge because we we i think we so someone once phrased it to me is that god operates as a gentleman um he asks mm. he very rarely demands uh, and so so the the uh, you know that the we use pieces of language like like we do it around unforgiveness we talk about that that it's a prison door that's locked from the inside um, mm. like anyone can choose to exit it. Um, and so, so it seems like God, anyone can be reached and yet God only reaches people by tapping on walls and, and, and allowing the person themselves to be willing to break them down. Um, yeah. so there's that, there's almost that paradox to it of like, no, no one, God is eternally hopeful about everyone. There's no one that he writes off. Um, and yet there is the tension of, but, but the forcing doesn't say Paul, Paul's story, James' story, they have some uniqueness to them because God seems to operate in a way that almost like it, it, I wrestle with those stories because I'm like, wow, how, how do you choose not to believe in those moments? Blinding flash of light, you fall off a horse and you, you suddenly can't see. Um, and someone comes to you and says, hey, God sent me to this address and wants me to pray. Those stories, suddenly a resurrected being in front of you, those stories are rare. Yeah, belief is so much easier for them because they had these supernatural yeah. things. Yeah. So it's, it's again, it, it goes back to that unbelief-disbelief conversation because we, we, we are naturally, I think, we naturally wrestle with unbelief around people and their character and what we see of them. And yet it seems like we have to make a decision to say, no, I'm not writing them off. I am going to keep praying for them. I am going to keep believing that God can reach um, yeah. and that he so often does. And I think, so then we can take it a little bit more close to home, which is what if there's an area of your life that you've given up on? Mm. Mm -hmm. Where you're like, you know, I've gotten so far in my walk with Jesus and I've tidied up my anger issue and my this or that. Mm-hmm. There's almost there's probably never going to be a day where I'm not going to struggle with this or oh, that man. or this relationship. There's no way I could ever restore this relationship. It's just too far gone. Mm. 
and yet we claim to believe in the resurrection. Of yeah, the dead. that's that's a great question because so I think we, we... I, I know that there's there's been things like that in my life, and so maybe the conversation sort of shifts to this discrepancy that we tend to have as human beings to believe in the supernatural, even if we're followers of Jesus. Mm. We claim that we believe in a in the supernatural mm. God who created heaven and earth and who resurrected physically and who's dealt with sin and death and all these things. And yet there's no way he could enter into this particular relationship and restore it again. There's no way he could get into that person's life. There's no way he could do mm. deal with this sin issue in me. Yeah, and that, that it, it takes us back to that Jesus statement again, which feels like we could come back to time to come. All things are possible for him who believes. Um, and maybe a helpful prayer for us to pray, pray consistently, if that's us and we've given up, is the prayer that that, uh-huh. yeah. Lord, I believe, Yeah. help my unbelief. Yeah, and maybe I would add a little extension to it for myself at times. Uh, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief, help me not to land in disbelief. Help yeah. me not to write off myself. Help me not to write off others um, because I have a tendency maybe somewhere, especially with myself, to write write things off. There's that phrase in James that I think all of us have felt about ourselves. Um, I think it's James, like, as a dog returns to its vomit. Um, mm. Like, it's the, it's the phrase that you know, for some reason dogs have this trait of, of they throw up and then they go back and eat it later. And James is like, that's what we are with certain, how we operate with certain areas of our life. We go back to the thing time. And we have this moment, we're like, oh, I can't believe that is the story again. Like, why did I land up in that place of unforgiveness again? Why did I end up with that broken relationship again? Why did I end up getting fired again? Why did I end up with that internet search and those kind of images again? There's things that just repeat on cycle. Mm-hmm. And it takes this belief to believe that, or it takes this this statement of faith to believe that the God of the universe can help us break out of those cycles. And yet we have a whole history of, no, he does break very unusual cycles. The cycle of death is a normal cycle that is rarely broken by resurrection. Yeah. And yet in this story, it is. So, um, So what do we... What, what do you recommend for someone who's – they're like maybe listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, I either have that person in my mind that I don't think that, that, could, that God could touch or I have that issue or relationship in my own life that I don't think God can touch. Mm. You know, I'm just – it's almost easier for me to believe this far away, distant, multiple thousands of years ago re- miracle mm. than it is that that supernatural things could actually penetrate my real life. Mm. What do we suggest – for that. So, so I think the more stories re- we read about it happening, the more we 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 sort of start to imbibe it ourselves. I just picked up. I was uh, I was looking for books on the internet. I picked up a devotional by a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. He was a Pentecostal preacher back in England in the like 1910, 1920 region. Saw saw all these spectacular things happen, uh, and as he begins to describe them, you kind of start reading them. You're like. I'm starting to believe these things in a different way. Uh, the, the last one I read was this story about this lady who came with this huge tumor to be prayed for. And, and she said, um, she said after the prayer time, God has healed me beautifully. I just know it. But when she walked down the next day, the tumor is still really obvious. Um, 
And then she comes back the next year and she said, God healed me so wonderful next year, but the tumor's bigger than ever last year. And the tumor's bigger than ever. And, and people start saying to her, like, can you not t see the, the, the thing? And she's like, I, but I, I know that God healed me wonderfully last year. Uh, and then the third day she comes, third year she comes in, walks into the service and things just disappeared. Um, and, and you're kind of reading these stories. You're like, none of those things make sense to me. And yet this is a guy unpacking stories of things he's experienced and like, no, no the, these things happen. Uh, yeah, I know one of the big faith builders for me was just interacting with global missions. Yes. Because just hearing stories of supernatural around the world, because God does tend to work in more supernatural ways in places <laughs> other than the West. Really frustrating. Which is interesting. We could get into a whole like, what's up with us as Americans or Westerners? that we've almost like stifled the spirit, yeah. which is a great question we should all meditate on and stuff, but there is something And if you have an answer, it. you should let us know. Yeah, please let us know. Cause we would love to see those sorts of things, but I think we're inclined towards disbelief in the supernatural as, as Westerners. Whereas in a lot of other cultures, it's like a given that the supernatural things are gonna happen. It's a given and it's a necessity, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I was in the Philippines as a 19 year old. And, and we were in this courtyard, early morning prayer meeting, 600 of us, pitch black except for the floodlight shining over the, the, the sort of the gathering area. Uh, and the light goes off. And, and me as a Westerner, I'm like, oh, we get to go back to bed. Wonderful. Or I'm like, someone go put a new bulb in. And, and 599 Filipinos reach out their hand towards the light and start praying for it to come back on. And it did. <laughs> And there could be some practical reasons why that's the case. But the fact that my mind goes to all those practical reasons is a fundamental difference between me and them totally. as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that registration is already full for this, but uh, Jamie Winship is going to be speaking tomorrow if you happen to be watching or listening to this on, on Thursday. Um, so I think it's probably already booked, but you could still look his podcast up. Mm -hmm. And he's just a guy who has some powerful stories about God moving in some pretty mm -hmm. significant ways. Exposing yourself to the, to hearing stories is really helpful mm -hmm. for our, building our own faith. I also think living a little bit closer to the bleeding edge of where, where, God, mm -hmm. where God's heart is for the marginalized, mm -hmm. the poor, the sick, getting in the game, that's where God, like when yeah. he's taking new ground for his kingdom, which tends to be in those spaces, the weak, the poor, the the marginalized, that's where he tends to move a little mm -hmm. bit more supernaturally. And so if you're just in your comfy spot um, in life and you've got everything sort of organized and you don't feel like you need him, mm. then it's also a recipe for not to, us to not see Well, him, the, so. the, the language of especially Luke and his talking about Jesus seems to be uh, Jesus moves the center to the margins. He moves the action point to the edges and the fringes of life. Um, and I think you're right when we do that. Th there's the stories that we get to hear. There's the experiences in those moments. And then there's the brave risk taking that always seems to be necessary at some point. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's always the opportunity to say, you know, I'm not going to pray for that because there's just too many questions. I, uh, there's a guy I know back in mm. England. He has this delightfully little pithy phrase that he uses all the time. He's like, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. And I'm like, it's so, so beautifully pithy. And yet mm. there's a this, this heartbeat of truth to that. Yeah. Um, 
any other thoughts on how do we grow in our faith and I I, I mean I, I we still struggle think with disbelief that God can touch things. I I still think I, I'm um I'm intrigued by the fact that J- James does become a center character, but at least in terms of the writings, he's a side character. And that's how a lot of us feel a lot of the time. We feel like small characters coming in and yeah. out of the story on the fringes. Um, not the he- we don't we don't resonate with the heroes as much. We resonate with the uh, the, the 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 briefly mentioned. Um, there's a character in in the Old Testament called Mephibosheth, uh, and and he appears as he's a grandson of of a former king, and he encounters David, and he's he's very much a side character. Uh, appears in front of David, falls on the feet, he's lame in one leg, and he's like, "Why would you look at a dead dog like me?" And I think that's some of our personality at times to find ourselves to be those mm. fringe people, and yet. And yet Jesus seems to not only see the fringe, the margins as valuable, they're also necessary. The, uh, he almost plays favorites towards uh-huh. So if, yeah. if you feel like you're not qualified, look out. Yes. Because you might be the most qualified. Yeah, and I think that would, that be, is, that would be some of Jamie Winship's story when totally. he shares. That would be some... Yeah. Like the, there are these people that, that seem so peripheral and then something happens and it sparks some kind of life. Well, it's it's interesting. Like as you hear Dan's sermon, James is like, "There's no way he could ever believe." Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's like this drift. He encounters his brother resurrected, and then he's like showing up in the upper room, mm-hmm. and then he shows up at a significant decision-making process, yeah. and then he's speaking at a significant decision-making, uh-huh. and then you're like, "I'm the head of the yeah. Jerusalem Church." <laughs> I mean, he might look back, going, "Yeah." Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? And, that, and I think you and I, we both have elements of our stories in what we do in terms of church that seem like accidental stumbling at times. Yeah. You know, I, I really started preaching and speaking because someone asked me if I would try it. And I remember the first time I was supposed to speak for 15 minutes and I spoke for four. I thought I'd just remember everything I wanted to say, which is bizarrely what I do now. But <laughs> at the time, the pressure of people being there and everything, I was like, okay. I talked very fast for a few minutes and then I was done. And they were just, thank you so much, Alex. That was wonderful. Uh, and then they asked me to do it again. I had a bit more sense of what was necessary and, and, and the importance of story. Uh, and so ended up speaking to this small Sunday morning group and, and the youth pastor came up to me. He's like, I was watching you. And I was like, man, Alex is a pretty good speaker. I should ask him to speak at like the main youth event. And so I tried that. And then the first time he came to me, he was like, could you speak next week? I'm like, a week to write a sermon? That's nuts. Like, I need a month. Now I'm like, I could do it in five minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I could figure out something to say. Yeah. But but that just casual drawing in of just, no, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. And then you look years back and you're like, oh, okay. God, you work in some strange ways, but you do work. And yeah. you do have a you do have a handle on the story in ways that surprise us. Um, James' story of doubt and disbelief at the time seems very much like that's the final story. And yet there's almost this chuckle of scripture, chuckle of the voice of God, laughter of the voice of God that is like, oh yeah, no, the story's still got somewhere to go. And how many people do we know that that same laughter God may have for and about? No, there's still... Yeah. There's still a big development in this story. And we have this the benefit of hindsight to to look at James's life and see how drastically different mm. his life is. 
but it probably just felt like a drift for him. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe he heard about his brother doing this or that, and then he like he encounters a brother, and then he's there, and he sees the spirit descend, and then, and it starts to drift, and his faith grows. And I know, uh, like I'm looking back on my own life, some of the most um, miraculous transformations in my own personal life in the moment, I had no idea that mm. that the hand of God was moving. And then I looked back and said, I didn't believe at all that this was gonna change, mm. that this relationship would be restored, that, you know, that I could lead in this way or that way or whatever. And then I'm looking back and I'm like, it's night and day different. During it, I struggled to believe that it was possible. And, and that, that, so I have this suspicion with James' story as maybe a final little insight into him. Yeah. S somewhere this movement is outsider, not part of the thing, now in the thing, now leading the thing, as you sort of highlighted. Yeah. Uh, and somewhere I've just got this suspicion that when James rejoins this church, somewhere I've got this suspicion there's a realness to who James is as a Jewish person. Uh, and a lifestyle and a wisdom and all of these things that have developed, even in the midst of his doubts about his brother, that when he gets into this thing, the rest of the church is like, man, James reminds us of Jesus a lot. Whether it's parenting, whether yeah, it's whether it's James the Just, uh -huh, whether it's his interactions with his brother growing up or whatever it is, that there's this thing of oh, he's new to the group. But as a leader, he kind of makes a lot of sense. Mm. As someone that we're going to look to for wisdom, he kind of makes a lot of sense. As someone who is going to remind us of things. And when you read James' letter, it's it's like reading the Sermon on the Mount. So so I've got this like question of like, were you just lurking on the fringes a lot? Maybe hiding under a cloak or something or like covered in a blanket. But the language is so similar. And he even throws back mm. like phrases. That, it's like Jesus said this. And you're like, how did you know? But he did know, and so it's almost like this this moment of disbelief, disbelief. But when he jumps in, it, it's like no, there's something there, totally. um, which is fascinating, really. Yeah. Like God has been working behind the scenes. Like, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, whether you know it or not, he might be forming you already. Uh huh. Yeah, and I think even in your disbelief, that's some of your story, right? Of like the, totally. Oh, he was working. I didn't like how he was working at times. I didn't know how he was working, but. Yep. Yeah, without those stories, I don't know. Yep. Well, come this Sunday, we're going to be celebrating baptisms. If you're hearing Pentecost this, Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be talking about the Spirit, and um, we're going to celebrate baptisms. We're going to maybe hear some stories of transformation mm -hmm. and all of that. But otherwise, if you have questions, uh, put them in the comments below. We, I just got back to a few people who just made some comments. There was a, some really helpful insight from last week. One of the members just talked about uh, one of the things they do to remind themselves um, of of staying on track in their faith. Remember, we were talking mm -hmm. about spiritual practices like um, the prayer of exam. And those oh, yeah, things. yeah. They, they were just talking about how getting out in nature and mm. paying attention to little tiny details was one things that like re reminded them that they were on this journey with God. Mm. So uh, thanks for that comment. Make comments, rate us, review, share, whatever uh, that's helpful to you. And anything else? Come on Sunday if you live in Littleton. Yeah, if you live, live in Littleton, come join us on Sunday. We're going to have a great time celebrating baptisms and Pentecost. Love it. Cool. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Have a great week.
Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.